This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 49. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I am your host. I am Casey O'Rourke, and I am thrilled that you are tuning in. So if this is the first time that you've listened to the podcast, welcome. So grateful to have you. Um, Feel free to peruse the other episodes that have come before this one. I've had the honor of hosting some really powerful conversations around parenting. So I would be um, feeling extremely grateful if you poked around and did some listening into other episodes as well. And if you are a returning listener, I love you. Thanks for coming back and for all the love and support that you continuously give me um, and the podcast. So yay, love you people. So today is a double episode. It's a dual episode. Is that what you would call it? I don't know. Anyway, what I've done today is I've taken two interviews and put them into one show. It's an extra long show today, uh, but there's just been a few things showing up in the news that are really important talking points for us to be having, um, us to be using in conversation with our kids. So my first guest today is Amy Lang. If you are a a longtime listener of the podcast, you will remember that Amy Lang came on last summer. She was episode eight of the podcast and talked about how to talk about the birds and bees with our children. She is my dear friend, and it's always fun to be in conversation with her because she really keeps it real around the birds and bees talks, and um, yeah. She just makes it less awkward because she's like, yeah, say things. Call it a penis. Call it a vagina. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, if you're listening with your kids, you might want to turn the podcast off because some of the information and topics that we'll be talking about, you might want to listen in on before you're listening with your kids. Okay? So there you go. There's that disclaimer. So yes, Amy was on episode eight. She was also on episode 33 where we talked about middle school dating. You might remember that as well. It was a really fun, candid conversation. 
Today we're going to be talking about the Stanford rape case. And um, if any of you have been, those of you that have been following, that do follow me and are a part of the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group, you know that I am really disturbed by that case. And uh, I think it's really important for us to be having intentional, explicit conversations with our kids around consent. Consent is something that should be a part of our common language in our homes. It should be something that is practiced. Giving consent, asking for consent, all of it. So Amy and I are going to explore that. We do go on a few tangents, but um, I think it's all pretty entertaining. So hopefully you can hang in there. The second conversation that I'm going to have today is with Jen O'Ryan, another guest that I've had before on the podcast. She was on episode 35, where we talked about how to support our LGBTQ youth. So she has a business that supports families whose kids come out. And um, (laughs) just a week after that Stanford rape case was the Orlando shooting at the gay nightclub in Florida. So Jen actually reached out to me and um, asked to come back on the podcast to talk about how to talk to our kids about what happened in Orlando, how to talk to our LGBTQ kids who might be feeling uh, scared, uncomfortable, um, lost in this conversation, as well as talking to our kids who are not LGBTQ and um, just how to be in conversation around what happened. So I'm so excited that both of these ladies are gracing this show, and I really hope that you get value out of our conversations. Please stick around to the very end. I have a really exciting new offer that I'm going to tease um, and let you know a little bit about. So yeah, here we go. Let's talk to Amy first, and then we will talk to Jen. Big love to every single one of you again. So, so grateful that you tune in each week and listen in on the podcast. I'm so, so excited to be welcoming, re-welcoming, is that a word? Um, Back to the show, Amy Lang. So glad that you're here. Me too. So remind the listeners again about the work that you do. Well, I am a sexuality educator and I help parents figure out how to have conversations with their kiddos about the birds and the bees and all things related to healthy sexuality. Yes. Thank God that you do that. So I asked you back on the show because, and, and people that follow me on social media, I have been talking about this a lot. I can't seem to stop Um, because my head is spinning around the sexual assault case in Stanford. And I specifically want to help my listeners consider and deepen their understanding around teaching their children consent in an intentional way. Um, And before we get into that, though, I'd be really interested in what happened for you (laughs) during that week that the case came to a close. I'm sure you were fielding all sorts of questions. I'm sure all of your followers, social media-wise, email inbox was going gangbusters not to mention your own response to the outcome. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. You know, I think that what primarily happened for me, it felt like it was an evolution of things as this was coming, you know, out again. I mean, we heard about this before when it happened early on. And then just this whole 
the whole bit of like, what do we do? Like, I mean, that was like, I felt like I was in a total conundrum kind of. And then I felt a little bit at sea. I was also not at home. I was teaching in Arizona. So I had a lot of other things going on simultaneously. And I think the main thing for me was just this deep sense of disappointment I think in so many different things, in that judge, in that father, in that boy, in our culture, you know, just this like sense of what the hell, like how does this keep happening and how do we help our kids to be smarter uh, than that, yeah. um, you know, like, you know, and 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 then also some you know, of course, real, I was so impressed with her ability and her need to write down what happened and her perspective. I think that's so valuable to see that perspective of this young woman who could be any of us, was any number of us. Was, 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 yeah. Was, was, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I made decision decisions that I wish I had not. And, you know, like there's just so many things. There's like the drinking thing. There's the dancing thing. There's the wandering home alone, drunk at night thing. There's the, you know, there's the culture that let that boy be so entitled. You know, he, you know, I don't care what he says. You know, we were talking, I was talking to my husband about it a little bit and he's like, oh yeah, not the first time. Right. And it was this little conversation about, oh, is that the first time he did that? No, probably not. It was not the first time he was drunk. It was not the first time he took advantage of a young woman. I'm sure not. And I don't know that. Like, I'm just talking because I'm talking. Like, go, <laughs> please don't sue me. But I honestly don't yeah. think that he was like, oh, freshman. Oh, no, never been drunk before. Right, oh, no. no. Right. Yeah. I don't believe it. No. I just straight up don't believe it. So, there was a whole lot going on for me around that as with like everybody, like I know you're in the same boat. It's yeah. like, what the, what the, what do we do? Right, right, right. I mean, I have a daughter and I have a son, you know, right. and I don't think that the, the roles that Brock Turner and the victim were in are specific to gender necessarily, but I, you know, as I think about my kids, I put them in, you know, I put my son as the the boy and my daughter is the girl and thinking like you said like thinking about my own college experience and situations that came up and waking up in the morning and and not reporting anything because thinking to myself like wow well I was really drunk and I was really flirty and I said sure you could walk me home and then I kind of blacked out and then I kind of came to and then it was and then I was alone in the morning you know and and really questioning my choices and you know but how yeah, how we talk about this with our kids. And and there's this great article that I found that I loved from the Good Man Project. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was no. called Healthy Sex Talk, Teaching Kids Consent, Ages 1 to 21. And it it breaks it down from our youngest kids, 1 to 5, to our school-age kids, to our middle and high school kids, and just really simple things such as asking for permission before you give a hug. You know, allowing our kids to say no thank you when, you know, grandma that they see once a year wants to kiss and hug and hold them. You know, I not taking such delight in forcing our friends, you know, when we have cute toddlers, like, oh, give each other a hug, give each other a kiss. Like, it is really cute. And it is the, you know, it's like this foundational groundwork around what's okay and what's not okay. So anyway, before we get into it, because I'm really excited to get into it, 
Let's be really clear about what we're talking about when we say consent in this conversation. So um, I believe consent is about, it's about permission. It's about asking permission and giving permission. What would you say if you were defining consent? I would say it's definitely that. It's about asking permission and giving permission. I also think another word that comes to my mind is agreement. Mm. Like you're getting someone, someone agrees to the behaviors. You agree to kiss grandma or you don't agree to kiss grandma. You know, I think that it's about agreement. I think it's about permission giving and seeking. I, I think it's about, um, you know, a thought process. Yeah. But, you know, really when you're drunk or a kid, a person's drunk or they're tired or they're already engaged in, in relationship, you know, you know, what, like, what do you do with consent? Right. I mean, I, I listened to this, there was a great, uh, this American life called the birds and the bees. And they talked to some young men who were going through a sexual assault prevention class, their college age. And they got so hung up on consent within within a relationship so you're already dating someone you've already been making out you have to like check okay can i touch your boob okay can i touch your boob through your clothes okay can i touch your boob under the shirt can i touch your and they were like bind boggled about consent so i think we have to think about consent um in terms of broad strokes right like broad strokes clarity about what consent is and what it means and then there is this new consent that's nuanced like, you know, with our adult, like, just think, imagine, like, if you and I see each other, I am not going to say to you, Casey, can I give you a hug? Right. Right. I'm going to hold my hands out to you and you're going to, and you're going to be in my 11 arms, That's right? right. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. So it's, it's kind of about like, how do we help kids understand that, um, like, A, what consent is, what giving consent is, what asking for consent is like in this sort of fundamental building blocks kind of sense. And then as they get older and as we're moving into sexual relationships and um, ongoing sexual relationships, it's a more nuanced conversation, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't run around with our spouses and say, can I have give you a kiss? Right. Like, yeah. like you know, like we don't run around and like, okay, now I'm going to kiss you with tongue. Right. <laughs> and kissing you for 25 years, you don't have to ask. I can just sort of tell you that I'm not down with the tongue or I am down with the tongue. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So it's like this two, it's two things. And, you know, if we stay focused like on the Stanford rape case, right. If we stay focused on what happened there. Um, that is a circumstance where everyone was out of their heads. Yeah. And the rule number one with consent is, is if you are out of your head, you are not able to consent, give or grant consent, right? Right. Right. If you're drunk, drugging, exhausted, sleeping, unconscious, not there's no consent happening. Right. Right. There's no consent happening. But you can't start out with your five-year-old by saying, mommy, <laughs> mommy's drunk. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't. You can't give you, I can't give consent. Like, I mean, you can't like talk to your five-year-old about drinking and drugging. Right. Right. So, I mean, I love that article that you found because that's really, you know, consent really does begin at home and it it's not sexual. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's, and, it's, and, you know, like I, I remember when the kids were really young reading about like even just something as simple as tickling, you know, and when a kid says, stop, 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 you stop. Right. Or right. teaching the kids when they're playing together, you know, I have two and, 
we got to, and we re, had to revisit this lesson over and over and over again. You know, they're playing, they're having fun. Everybody's having fun. Somebody says, stop, you stop. Right. Right. Somebody says, stop, you stop, you check in. And maybe they say, okay, let's play some more. Or maybe they don't. But if you hear the word stop, you stop. Right. Um, and that being a, a really intentional lesson. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every time the kids heard that they would stop, but we kept coming back to it and that remained a value in our family. It remained something that we practiced and leaned into in our family. Right. So having rules like that, if someone says stop, whatever the behavior is, the rule in our family is you stop. Right. Right. And having an ask first policy, definitely in terms of, hey, do you want to give grandma a kiss or can I have a kiss? Because when we ask permission, it gives children an opportunity to say no and mm -hmm. to be heard. Mm -hmm. So especially when it comes to sexual abuse prevention, if the safe adults in kids' lives ask first before they get, before they're touched, not, I mean, especially in family life, it's like not every time, but if it's regular, it's like, hey, can I have a hug? You know, hey, I need a hug. If the child's given an opportunity to say no, and we respect that, it goes a long way for them to be able to, being able to say no if Uncle Creepy or Aunt Creepy tries to hug them and they don't really like, want to do that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I love the idea of giving them an out too. So even having the conversation before a family gathering and saying like, there's going to be so many people there and they are so excited to see you and they might want to hug you and you might not. And when they say, can I have a hug? You can say no. And maybe you can say no, but we can high five right. or no, but we can fist bump. So right. giving them also helping the kids with like some kind of transition phrase for them yes. so that they like. Because there's that awkward moment where the adult looks at the parent like, you know, what the hell? Why, right, you know, I'm the grandma. Right. And they forget, well, yeah, you're the grandma, but they haven't seen you in eight months. Like, right. you are a stranger to them. Love you. So share the same blood. I get right. it. You, you, you know, but. I'm that doesn't mean you have permission to, to touch my child. Right. 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 And that's, you know, I was going to talk about this later in the show, but I want to bring it up right now. Something that's shown up in my community is, is I guess the term now is tricky people versus stranger danger. Have you heard yeah. that? Of course. Yes. Okay. Well, it was new to me. I hadn't heard yeah. the tricky people phrase. So, yeah. and, and I think that's awesome that it, well, sad yet awesome that it's changed that way. The languaging, because what we know about child abuse is typically it's somebody that the kids know. 90, over 90% of the time, it's someone that's known to the child and family. Yeah. So would this be a, this, so how, you know, when we're talking about consent, when we're talking about permission, you know, letting it be known, you know, all of a sudden my mind's going to this place of like, gosh, you could send an email before Thanksgiving dinner to the whole family and say, Hey, listen, I know you're excited to see little Johnny and little Sally. And I just want you to know, I'm so excited that they get to practice. Right. Because yes. then it's like, we're all in this together, family. Yeah. They're yeah. going to practice giving permission or granting consent. Yes. And you get to be a part of it. So don't, you know, don't get worked up when little Johnny says, no, thank you. Let's fist bump instead because he's really into fist bumps right now. Right. You know, or whatever. But I can see how we can lay the groundwork so that our family isn't so weird or awkward about right. it. <clears throat> and Uncle Creepy or Auntie Creepy can know, like, yeah, too bad, we're so talking. Sad. We're talking yeah, about stuff. So My kid's yeah. not your, not your target, not your target. So, target. um, yeah. so I mean, I think the idea with tricky people, um, you know, savvy parents, safe kids, Kim Estes and yes. Jill talk about this. So 
the thing about a tricky person is the tricky person tries to get a kid to break family rules. Mm. But if you aren't explicit about your family rules, then the kid doesn't know if the rules are being broken. Got it. So you have to be explicit about your family safety rules. And I know you've had, you've had Kim on before, Kim right? was on early on. Yeah, I should have her come back. Yeah, on. have her come back and talk about the tricky person thing, the tricky people thing, because it's really, um, it really, again, yeah, damn you parenting, right? Like, why do we sign up for this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> it requires us to be like on top of this too, right? Right. And nobody wants their child to be taken advantage of or sexually abused and nobody wants to scare a child. So stranger danger was all about scaring kids and it didn't work. It doesn't work. It's useless. It's pointless. Strangers aren't going to molest your children. Sorry, not going to happen. Right. Not going to happen. Yeah. It's so rare. I know it happens, but it is so rare that it's smarter to teach your kids some guidelines about how they roll when they're out and about in the world. So I love your idea of like emailing the family. Like it's summertime, right? We're all going on vacation. We're going to be seeing all kinds of family members, aunts and uncles, you know, especially folks with younger kids. Teenagers are pretty good because they can understand like give grandma a hug. You know, Milo's going to give my parents hugs and kisses. You know, that's, he's going to do that whether he wants to or not, but he's 15 and a half. Yeah. Right. He's not five. So when you say, you know, setting it up from the start, Hey, you know, in our family, one of our rules is we have, one of our rule deals with our kids is that we don't force them to touch or kiss or hug anyone if they don't want to. So this might seem weird, but we can't tell them, you know, you're the boss of your body and you can set up the boundaries and then tell them to, and then force them to have physical contact. So here's what we're doing. So just ask. Yeah. Say, hey, can I have a hug? Yeah. How about a high five? It's the adult that should offer the hug or the high five. Right. It's not, I mean, the kids need to be empowered with a high five so they can come in and say, hey, yeah, how about a high five? But the adult should say, can I have a hug or a high five? Kid's going to say a high five or they're going to say a hug. Almost every kid ever will say yes to a high five. Yeah, for sure. High fives are fun. High fives are fun, they're safe, they're spunky, and, you know, the grandparents can feel like they are, like, little, like, you know, in the know hipsters in a little way, in kid land. Totally. But I think, you know, all of this, as with all of this stuff, starts at home, right? So are you practicing asking first? If you haven't been, start. It's like, hey, can I have a hug? Yeah. And if it's like, no, then you don't say F you, you say no sweat. Yeah, right? right. Get over your, get over the feeling of like, aww. And celebrate the fact that you are giving your kids the opportunity to make that choice and to right. practice. And to say no, to yeah. say no, right? And be have that no be respected. Right. They really need to know that adults know that we respect children's no's, right? They know that. Right, right. And like you said, you have a son and I have a daughter and a son, like I mentioned. And when I consider them and their inevitable exploration of intimate relationships, I want to be sure that they both have a clear understanding of that no, of their rights, of their voice. Right. And right. the importance of permission and consent. So we've talked before, you and I, yes. about, many times, but on the podcast too, about how important it is to be having conversations about the body and about relationships from a young age. So what is your advice to parents around how to teach their kids about consent in a way that allows it to become like, it's just what you do? Like, yeah, it was a really great question. And I think one of the things I just want to back up and say is that, you know, we have this old model of consent, which is no means no. Mm-hmm. And there's a new model now, which is yes means yes. So when we're getting consent, what we're looking, what we're asking for is yes. So consent means yes. Right. 
So when in your family life, I would say starting when your kids are really little, it's really simple is you just ask permission before you touch them. Mm-hmm. Can I pick you up? No, right on. Right. And sometimes you have to, so to kind of pick your battles, but right. you want to make sure your kids have opportunity to say no to you. Absolutely. And, and have that respected. So starting with that. And then when they're, when you've already been talking about working on their friendships or when they're playing with another kid, you know, everybody has to be in agreement to play the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's happening if someone's not in agreement, then you can just say, oh yeah, they aren't consenting. They aren't agreeing to play the game. So what's the plan? Right. Yeah. What's the plan? Yeah. Um, and so you just plant these seeds of agreement and consent early so that then when you're getting into the, you know, that sort of middle school age range where they're starting to bring in sex and consent, you know, I think when we have early conversations with children about sexuality, one of the things I always say is like, especially when you're talking about like, you know, for little guys and you're like, hey, this is how babies made, feels good to their grown up bodies. They agree to do this right? Yes. I talk about consent. They agree to do this. Sex isn't for kids. It's for later in life, right? Grownups, people agree to have sex with each other. And so you can also plant the seed there. And, you know, which also leads us into easier conversations about sometimes people don't agree to have sex. And when one person forces another person to have sex with them, that's called rape. It's really sad and scary and it happens. And, you know, that's why you need to understand that, you need to say, you know, if you say yes to something, you need to say yes wholeheartedly, right? And if you say no, your partner should respect your no. And you can all, you can tell with an in intimate partnerships if they're not respecting your no, right? Right. Yeah. So, right. You can see that push, 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 push. That's why I think that, especially for our boys, is that they really need to hear this yes means yes. Girls too, absolutely. But boys tend to be the people who do the raping and tend to be the people who take advantage for, mm-hmm. you know, any number of biological, gender, cultural, social reasons. It's just the way everything's rolling out for our sweet boys yeah. in our world. Well, and it doesn't help, you know, I mean, I'll, this is kind of a tangent conversation, but it doesn't help that our girls are being told, like, you can't dress a certain way. Your right. clothes are too tight. Boys can't control themselves. Right. No, thank you. Boys actually can control right. themselves. Boys are controlling themselves right now. Yeah, all over the world. Right now, all over the world. <laughs> There are men who are not raping and boys who are not raping because uh, they can control themselves. Right. So that, that, that like, we've got to quit policing girls and telling them it's their, I mean, that's just the, the old, you wore of, short yeah. skirts. It's your fault, right? Yeah. It is never somebody's clothing's fault. It's not the clothes' fault. Right, right. Which isn't to say, which isn't to say that girls should go out in the world without their eyes open. right. Oh my gosh. So you have a boy. You have no idea how difficult it is to find a pair of shorts for my 13-year-old. I believe it. That do- doesn't let her ass hang out. I believe like, it. It's un- I know. I've seen it. Unbelievable. It is so difficult. It's either that's, you know, it's either like jean material underwear or, you know, really awful like, you know, when you went to Catholic school and you got the Bermuda shorts. There's nothing that is like cute and in between. That I can yeah. find. It's so frustrating. She needs to learn how to sew. Yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll let her know that. Put her on that on something. Put her that for a good summertime project. Also, you know, squirts, right? Right. 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 Well, right. And like I mean, the skater skirts, like we're finding alternatives, but it's really frustrating when, you know, we have our values, we have our standards and then it's like, okay, let's go get you a couple pairs of shorts and oh my God, Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, actually, but that is not not an option. 
Right. So our culture isn't helping girls either, like be able to choose clothing that they don't have a range of options. Yeah. Right. They don't have a range of options. So, I mean, and again, I don't want us to have anybody thinking that there's any victim blaming happening no, here. No, thank right? you. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no, no. That's not happening. I mean, the blaming of the victim blaming is really, um, it's hard to understand, right? Because I think it's very easy to think, well, if that young woman back to Stanford, if she yeah. hadn't gotten really drunk, then he wouldn't have been able to take advantage of her. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's true. It's true. It's true. I mean, she did contribute to the situation, but at the end of the day, the yeah. person who took advantage of her is the person who is at fault. Right. For sure. Right. I mean, he is at fault and he, you know, he is, 
He could be anybody's kid. Yeah. Right? He could be anybody's kid and she could be anybody's daughter. Well, and that's the flip side that I want to talk about too. So that entitlement piece, that entitlement that's perceived when when that's talked about when one person feels as though they deserve that hug or they deserve that kiss or they deserve that makeout session or whatever, right? Oh, well, you were flirting with me. Oh, well, I bought you dinner. Oh, well, this is what you were wearing. You know, how, what conversations or practices can we be having with our kids to teach them not only you know, to grant, to grant or not to grant permission, but how to ask, right? So yes, uh, you can say no when a family member or a grown up is like, Hey, I'd love to have a hug or something. But then what about the other side of that? You know, thinking specifically of our boys, um, what about the other side of that, how to help them assess the situation and recognize that no matter what, no one is entitled to another person's body, or personal space. Like that's just not a thing. So that's part of it. As you say, hey, FYI, right. No one is entitled ever to another person's body or their personal space ever. Right. Ever. So how can you set up like what kinds of ideas do you have like around setting up experiences so that they are in, they're on the side of being the permission askers, I guess. Does that I make think, sense? Yeah. So that because yeah, I, I I my like I would I what I strive for is kids that grow into teenagers and young adults who the permission piece is just like well of course of course I'm gonna ask or of course I'm gonna speak up I I want that and and you know there's only there's no guarantee all we right. can do is increase the likelihood right through our own modeling and conversation and teaching right. I totally get that um, and I want this to be an of course. Right. I mean, we all want that to be in, of course. of course. And I think, I think that, um, so like talking about younger kids, like when they're in their play relationships, mm -hmm. like when they're getting physical with someone, like you've already talked about this, right. it's like, Hey, you guys are wrestling. That's awesome. Have you, have you figured out how, you know, do you have a safe word? Right. Right. I mean, yay. <laughs> Yay, BDSM and safe words, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is a sexual thing, right? So people who are engaged in, um, you know, who engage in bondage and discipline and they have a safe word that means absolutely stop. Right. It makes it playful. So maybe when your kids are, you know, engaging in physical games, like you guys have a, don't call it a safe word because, I mean, you have a magic word that means stop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely stop. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it's pickles or it's, you know, prune or it's whatever you guys come up with. And so then you do role, you role play and practice. Oh my gosh. Right? Is it weird that we used to say uncle? Yeah. Is that a weird thing? Dick. Oh, gross. Ew. I did not thought about that. <laughs> say uncle. That's hilarious, actually. Let's take uncle back, right? Yeah, Let's for real. I'm sure the uncles in the crowd are like, yeah, what the, what the hell? Well, and, and another thing that comes to mind too is, you know, rather than saying you know, is everyone having fun prompting the kids like check in with each other? Are you having fun? Is this still fun? Do you want to keep playing? So rather than, you know, doing some modeling of the asking, but then also prompting them to ask, I think would also yes. be really helpful regularly in, you know, yeah. in regular intervals. Right. Are you all still having fun? Yeah. And you look at them, right. And you can tell when someone's not having fun. Right. Yeah. And then you can go, you know what? I'm getting a vibe that maybe it's time to switch switch things that we're doing. Let's let's do something else, right? Yeah. So it requires, again, the adults to be awake and alive and parenting. Damn right. it. Darn it. Ugh. Put down the cocktail, Casey. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
been a hard day. <laughs> exactly. I had to go to the laundromat. Um, so you have a book called Dating Smarts and we like briefly, I think it came out like the day of the last podcast. Yes, it did. I know. I have my copy too. I'm so excited. Actually, I have my children's copy. Um, so, and it was hot off the press back then. So remind us of who and what this book is intended for. So it's called Dating Smarts, what every teen needs to know to date, relate, or wait. And I, when I wrote it, um, somebody actually asked me to write a kid version of my book, Birds and Bees and Your Kids, which is about clarifying your values. So Dating Smarts is to help people who are 13 plus figure out what their values are about dating and relationships, to understand like what a healthy relationship looks like, how to, you know, ask someone out, how to get out of a terrible date. Like it's just kind of like strategies and thoughtfulnesses. Um, also about how to get um, you know help if they need it and that sort of thing. And I think that the reason I wrote it is because dating's confusing. Yeah, relationships are confusing. Most kids are not growing up in families where they have adults demonstrating what healthy relationships look like. You know who you are. That's right. And right? They're watching us. Yeah. They're watching us. And so if kids, you know, our kids, you know, we all do the best we can, you know, we all do the best we can. My marriage is certainly not perfect. Um, but Carrie and I have some rules that are, I don't even know if we've ever talked about them. We must have at some point, we've been doing this parenting thing for 15 years, but one of our rules is that is, is that if we fight, we make sure Milo sees a resolution mm-hmm. oh, and we that. fight. Yeah. So he sees us resolve. Even if what he sees later is that we're not fighting anymore or he sees us do the whole thing. Right. Start to finish. I mean, that's one of my family values. My parents did not fight in front of me. I didn't, that was one of their marital rules and it screwed me up. I didn't know how to have a fight. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important, right? I think it's so, and that's what I tell people that work with me too. It's like, you never making any mistakes or you being the quote perfect parent always in control and calm that's not helpful because it's not modeling the messy experience that being a human being is right right totally. and so i think it's so powerful when we do kind of lose our shit and we say wow i really lost it and i i'm sorry i treated you that way and this is what i'm working on right this is what you i'm working that- on you're going to see me do this next time which could be walking away, taking deep breaths, you know, whatever. Right. Not allowing myself to go crazy pants in the first place over nothing. Right. Because we can all feel that happening, right? For sure. Or recognizing, wow, I'm going crazy pants over nothing right now. Sorry. Yeah. We call it the emotional Bye. freight train. Like, wow, I'm on the train. Woohoo. I'm going to get off of it now that I recognize that I'm on it. But I think that's really important. And, and you know what I love about your book is um, it has prompted – oh, here it is. Here it is, Dating Smarts. I've got my copy. But I love that it's there's all these prompting around all this prompting around like what what are you willing to do? Like where do you are you going to draw lines? What are you going to, you know, and and I think that our kids don't I know that I certainly didn't think about my boundaries before I needed to have them. Yeah, right? And then all of a sudden yeah. I was just in it and I was a yes girl. So there was a lot of like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Had I thought it through beforehand, things may or may not have been different. Right. Hopefully and I, have. you know, 
I was a yes girl too. Um, and in some ways, and I also knew like looking back, it's like, if I had thought out, like, what do I want in a relationship? Where do I, like, how far would I go on a date? But I, you know, like what were, like, if I went out with somebody for the first time, like, what were my rules? Did I have anything in place? Did I know red flags? I didn't know red flags. I just thought he was cute. He asked me out. All right. 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 And there's one guy I went out with that I'm pretty sure was a junkie, you know? Yeah. And like, he did some weird stuff, but I didn't have the, but he was really cute and he was really like, he yeah. really pursued me. Right. Right. That's, that's that, and, that thing too. Right. That thing too. Like, oh, they want to go out with me. So, hey, they get even cuter. Just in that, right. just in the fact that they want me, I'm like, yeah, okay. That's not helpful. Yeah. That did not lead yeah. me down good roads. Except for Ben. No, Thank God for Ben. Thank God he showed up when he did. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank God Carrie showed up when he did. I mean, I totally lucked out and I get that. And so like, I just want, I want teenagers to go into this like world of dating with some, you know, like the whole deal for me is like, am I ready for sex? Yeah. Like that's the number one, like, am I normal and am I ready for sex? And so the whole deal with dating smarts is to help kids figure out, are you ready for sex? And what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? So back to consent. Right. Um, (laughs) We always tangent. So, I mean, I just think like back to, back to this whole Stanford rape thing. So one of the things, um, some, that guy was, um, CNN reached out to me, their senior health editor and asked me, uh, if I thought it was okay for teenagers and young adults to read her letter. So she wrote a letter. The victim wrote a yes, letter. Yes. Powerful. And yes. It's very powerful. And my answer was, is this? Yes. But together, it's read and discuss. It's not read and let them work it out. Yeah. It's not read and let them work it out. So poor Milo is highly resistant to this. So I am actually actively working out how he knows it's going to happen. And I have had to like warn him and he knows, and, and we're just need to find this time where I can, where he's open. But right now he like, he actually told me like, no, I refuse. I'm putting my fingers in my ears. I haven't been on the internet's mom. And so he's really <laughs> challenging my ability to um, just have an open dialogue about this because it's so uncomfortable. And my child's super modest. But you know, when it comes to this kind of thing, I don't care. He's yeah. uncomfortable. That's I don't not, care. Yeah. Life's uncomfortable. And you want to know what's uncomfortable? That kid, Brock, what's his name? He's a little on the uncomfortable side oh, right yeah. now. I should hope so. Well, and and that just reminded me too. I recently, my daughter recently said to me, I feel like I have to be perfect because you're a parent coach. Oh, does that show up at all with Milo? Like, God, mom, just because this is your job doesn't mean I want to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. And he's pretty mortified by my um, by my work. <laughs> so, you know, there's that going on too. So, yeah. So it's always super fun for our kids, the parent educators, kids, right? So oh. on that, so, so Rowan's 13 is – and I love like, what I think what I pulled out of what you just said was it, you're not saying like, yeah, let them read it. You're saying have a conversation. And so my daughter just finished seventh grade. The last week of seventh grade is all about the reproductive system. It's super awkward. They're all together. Great thing that came out of it is the teacher sent home a form. Well, first he sent an email and said, hey, listen, I'm sending home homework about some topics I want you to talk about with your kids and you might feel uncomfortable and that's okay talk about it with your kids. And so we did. And it was stuff that I never really even thought about talking about. Like, 
<laughs> she said, well, what do you think about teen marriage? And I was like, uh, I'm not really for it. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that is not a thing in our family. <laughs> right, right. But it was, you know, the interesting thing too is just like we have to be talking about this stuff with them because they're hearing about it. You know, the conversation is out there. And so to read the victim's letter, I mean, it was such a powerful letter. And there were so many talking points there. And just really, you know, I think parents get so uncomfortable because they don't know what to say. But there's really not a lot you have to say. Just simply being open and available and neutral, right? Like I am, I have one child that allows me to practice neutral on a regular basis. And, you know, just like I'm here, I can take it. I can handle it. I can handle being in this conversation with you. Because right now we're talking about somebody else. And I have no illusion that we're not going to be talking about, you know, situations that she's in in the future. So she needs to know, they need to know that we can handle whatever it is, whether it's the five-year-old that says, where do babies come from? Quit telling them like some made up stupid story. Yeah. Quit skipping the penis going in the vagina, please. Yeah. Just don't skip. Can I tell a funny story about the penis going into the vagina? Yes, you may. So I have a really good friend that got pregnant. Um, Her son is now like two or three. So she was one of the later friends that got pregnant and and she called me and we had this conversation. I was so excited. I came back into the living room and and my son, who was quite young, well, not quite young. He was like eight or seven. And he said, what? What happened? I said, oh, Auntie Cass, shout out to Auntie Cass, um, is pregnant. And he was like, oh, well, does, but she's not married. <laughs> so I was like, let's go get It's So Amazing, which is a book that you turned me on to. And it's the story of the sperm and the egg. And it's this great, very descriptive biological story that is written in kid speak. And so we read that, blah, blah, blah. So then my husband gets home a little bit later and I said, oh my gosh, Cassandra's going to have a baby. And Ian saunters up and he says, he kind of looks at Ben and he says, so obviously they put the penis in the vagina. (laughs) (laughs) And Ben, Ben did not really know how to respond. He was just like, whoa. And I was like, yeah. Okay, you know, I kind of transitioned us out of that. But, you know, I mean, it's what happens. The only reason it's a big deal is because the parents and the grownups can't deal. And we make it a big deal. Anyway, that's a whole nother. I think we've had that podcast talk anyway. Yes, we have. Um, Anyway, we digress. Anyway, we digress. So back to to this whole consent thing. So with this letter, you know, for parents of younger kids, really you need to start focusing on how are you demonstrating consent, yes means yes, in your daily life and interactions with your kids. How are you helping your kids understand about agreeing to play this way, Mm -hmm. right? agreeing to do this. And when someone says no, we always respect their no. Mm-hmm. So we want someone to say yes. If they aren't saying yes, then it's a no-go, right? Right. So how do you, so that's where that focus should be. With the people with older kiddos, um, they probably have heard about the Stanford rape case. And so they need to know what rape means. Right. It's when one person forces another person to have sex. I love the way that you're just like, bleh, this is what it means. That's what it is. That's what it is. Right. Nobody needs to get squirmy. That is what it is. It's a sad and unfortunate thing. It's something that happens. It can be scary. That's why you need to be really know about your sexuality information. You need to understand how this stuff works to keep you safer. And then with the kids that, you know, that are 13 and over, I would say, don't, I don't know that you necessarily need to read or have her read the letter because it is so graphic, but I would pull out those points where you think, 
okay, she needs to know this. Right. Right. Okay. She, we need to talk about this and then make your own set of talking points. Mm -hmm. If you do think she can handle that, then yeah, have her read it. And anybody who's a freshman in high school and above, they should read it. Okay. Or at least excerpts of it, mm -hmm. um, which is what I'm going to do for Milo. I'm going to pull out pieces of it. It's 13 pages long. Yeah, I want long. him to know. I want him to hear her voice, and in particular around those pieces where she says, "Yeah, I was drunk." Yeah. Right. Like I want her when she talks about that, and I want him to understand that that doesn't mean it doesn't. It's not okay. Like I want that that beginning piece where she's talking about being in the hospital and not understanding, and right. then kind of it out and being in denial and all of that. It was just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Right? Like she didn't know what had happened. And then there's, so there's sections of it that I think that what's out, I'm going to end up doing. Um, because our boys need to, I think what's so beautiful about her letter is it's like an inside perspective and this needs to stop, mm -hmm. right? The assault, yeah. the assault of women needs to stop. Yeah. And it, it's up to the men. Yep. It's up to the men. I mean, what, did, what was that interview with Michelle Obama and Oprah? Was that who it was? Or somebody I said, people said something about what do men need to do? They need to be better. Yeah. They need to be better. And fathers don't need to play, like whatever that father said, 20 minutes of action, uh. right? Shoot him in the head. I mean, I don't say that very often, but that came out of his mouth. Yeah. That came out of his mouth. Yeah. His son's life is ruined. This girl's life is not ruined. It's not ruined. She will be fine. She will be fine. But his boy's life is ruined. And his, I mean, I have to think his parents contributed to that. You know, well, and how I, I, I mean, I take, I don't know. I mean, she will be fine. I can only say fine in quotes because this experience will never leave her. Right. But for, as, People I mean, who've been sexually assaulted and right. they, it is never, it's not that it's ever going to go away, right. but it will not be the central focus of her life. Right. Hopefully not. Right. She will get help and recover. It sounds yes. like she's very well supported, yes. you know? So, I mean, I think that's the other thing we need to be careful about too, is deciding that you sort of once a victim, always a victim. Right. True. Right. Yes. Right. So I mean, maybe we should say survivor, right? Right. 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 Yeah. She's this. And so one last little wonderful thing, resource. Um, I don't know if you've yes. seen this video. It's called Consent is Like Tea. I actually watched it with my 10-year-old. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, you know, I you know, I gave a very watered-down version of this is something that happened recently and this boy and 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 he and he had sex with this girl and she wasn't I I kind of told him exactly I told him exactly what happened. Oh in like with a 10 year old filter and yeah. um and then we watched the cup of tea thing it's hilarious it is hilarious and so obvious right yes. like it's just so yeah. obvious yeah which i'm gonna is put great. a link to that in the show notes listeners yes please do i think it's awesome i think it's awesome an awesome resource so yeah so anyway so we really once again sadly it's up to us yeah. as parents to demonstrate are we demonstrating this so Dating Smarts is a resource. I'm going to put a link to the consent. I'm going to put a link to the victim, to the survivor's letter, letter. in the show yeah. notes. Uh, yeah, what else? What are what are some other good resources other. for parents around this conversation? Um, it's definitely Savvy Parents, Safe Kids. Okay. I'll put Kim's website. Yep, yep, yep. 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 And download the Super 10 Rules for Safety. They're okay. wonderful and not scary. So don't be weird about them, parent, parents. They're really, because you, if your kids don't know the rules, they don't know that they've broken them. Right. Right. 
Well, and it's you know, as it's simple like, as we don't do candy and somebody saying like, well, don't tell your mom, but here's some candy. Right. Here's some candy, candy little girl. Yeah. Cran- creeper. Yeah. So yeah, it's as simple as that. Although why someone would not do candy is beyond me, but that's my family value. Um, <laughs> sorry. Grab your teeth. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Fruit <laughs> snacks or candy? I know. I know. Just convince. Yeah. Anyway, I just had a funny little tangent thought too. What else? Okay. Um, So my site, birdsandbeesandkids.com. And I also have a new course. It's called birdsandbeescourse.com. It's the birds and bees made easy. So it is a course for parents to take. It's all online. It, you know, it will help you settle into these conversations and have sex talks like a pro. Um, it's uh, a lot of it's focused on clarifying your values. Uh, there's lots of tips and tricks for having the conversations, what you should focus on age by age. And it's got this little lovely bonus webinar, which is uh, the birds and bees from preschool to middle school. So parents know exactly what kids need to know at each age and stage. Awesome. Yeah. Amy, yeah. I'm so, so glad about that. Do they get access to you through that or is it uh, on demand? Is it? It's on demand. They okay. can just do it any old time. And if parents have questions, they can always email me and ask. Awesome. I'm happy to help. Well, and I want I want to tell everybody, I'm sure I said this last time too, your newsletter is always so helpful. It always shows up at the perfect time with the perfect talking point with like the greatest 10, 10 words or less. Let me, let me tell you what a polyamorous relationship is in 10 words or less, right? Like, or whatever the yeah. conversation is. I so appreciate it. And people can sign up for that on your website. Yes. Yes. For Birdsandbeesandkids.com. Sure. Yes. Great. For sure. Great. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, Anytime. Amy. Anytime. You Anytime. are awesome. You're on. Everyone, you need to know Amy Lang is on my speed dial. I feel very privileged. Oh, thanks, <laughs> You're Casey. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure we'll see you shortly. We'll see you again. There'll be plenty more to talk about. Always, sadly. <laughs> thanks. So yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that I have huge respect and love for Amy Lang. I hope that you appreciated that conversation. It's a really important conversation. It's not one that we like to have. It's not one that we like to think about when we think about our kids, but when stuff like what happened in Stanford shows up all over the news media, we can't help but think about our sons and our daughters. Um, so that's why it was really important for me to have Amy on the show. I really appreciate the resources that she shared. You will find again, just making sure you know, you will find in the show notes, the, uh, website of Savvy Parents Safe Kids. Our friend Kim Estes puts out some really important information there. Birdsandbeesandkids.com website is a must go to sign up for Amy's newsletter. And I'm super excited to check out the Birds and Bees course. Yeah, so Amy Lang, she's the bomb. We're going to switch gears a little bit now, and um, I'm going to invite you to listen in on a different conversation now, one with Jennifer O'Ryan. And this time we are going to be talking about, like I mentioned at the beginning, the other tragedy that's shown up in the news recently, the shooting in Orlando. So... Um, Jen and I are going to discuss that through the lens of how we support our kids, how we show up in conversation around that tragedy. And, um, you know, I think it's an important conversation if we have kids that 
identify as LGBTQ or not, right? We are working towards a new world, a world of compassion and love for all human beings. And these conversations are vital for that to happen. So without further ado, let's talk to Jen. I have another returning guest, and it's Dr. Jen O'Ryan, and we are going to talk about uh, another thing that's shown up in the news, tragedy in the news. This has kind of been a theme. We had Amy Lang on talking about the Stanford sexual assault case, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the Orlando shooting and specifically around how we talk to our kids about what happened in Orlando. So first I wanna say hello, Jennifer, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Casey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and before I we get into the conversation, will you remind the listeners a little bit about your work and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I have a PhD in human behavior and the focus of my research is uh, the experience of childhood and adolescence for gender and sexual minorities or LGBT individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple terms that are that are being exchanged right now. But basically what it's like to grow up as a queer kid. Yeah. Um, so I am a relentless advocate for creative, creating supportive environments for LGBT youth. Um, and yeah, that is my that is my mission in this life is to make sure that, that, that all of our queer kids are growing up with at least one supportive person in their environment. That's such important work. I'm so glad that you're doing it. And I and I think it's a, it's such an important conversation to kind of, you know, make really explicit because I think of myself as a really progressive-minded parent and and I have all sorts of conversations with my kids. We really don't hold anything back. And yet I still find um what's the right word? discomfort in talking about some of these issues simply because I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um and I'm not sure what it what it sounds like. And so, you know, you're on the show. We're gonna talk about Orlando. When I spoke with my kids and they're 10 and 13, I told them that there had been a shooting, that it was at a nightclub, and a lot of people were kill- killed. And what I didn't say was that it was a gay nightclub, and not really for any reason, but mostly because the intent was to give them a little bit of information so that they could ask questions and not be totally in the dark if and when it came up out in their world. And, you know, it was a short conversation and I didn't get into the targeting piece. And even as I kind of wrote this out to share with you, I thought to myself, why didn't I say it was a gay nightclub? What, what, and and I still, I don't really know the answer to that other than I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I just, I don't know the answer to that, but so how might I, so I'm going to ask you later on, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but you know, one of the questions I have is how do I go back and open the conversation with the intention of exploring the fact that people are targeted for their sexual orientation and gender identity and that it's not okay. And that they might see and how, you know, in their daily, you know, one of them's in middle school and, you know, and the other's in elementary and just the, the slurs that are, you know, quote, common put downs that are are really hurtful show up and you know how do we have these conversations and how are we supporting you know another thing is in you know there's plenty of families individuals that do support lgbtq kids and how are what's happening in that community in our community how are those kids feeling supported what are they feeling after something like orlando shows up so how's that for a <laughs> gigantic question <laughs> How much time do you have to unpack this? Right, exactly. But I, I want to start off. I think you hit on a really key point because you you preface the statement, which which I think is actually appropriate because you're giving them a small piece of information on on something that's happened, right. and you know you know as well as I do that at that age um, and at most ages with kids, it's it's better to give them a, a small piece of information, let them process, mm-hmm. without completely overwhelming them with all of this other. Uh, details, even though, as as you know, the uh, the fact that it was a gay club that was targeted is is pivotal um, to the story. But yeah. I, I I think I think what you mentioned is everybody's looking, or that you're specifically looking for the right answer or the right approach. Right. Um, and I think with as parents, there just isn't always one. Yeah, um, I know that's so annoying. I think it's more about <laughs> just giving them the information and then letting them come to you or maybe following up with them again as, as new information becomes available. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, what showed up in your community? What showed up with the, the families and the people that you serve as the events, you know, in the information around Orlando unfolded? So I actually, I actually started receiving from information from two different channels and questions from two different channels. Um, one of which was the parents that I'm working with and some of the organizations that I'm working with who wanted to know, you know, how specifically should they handle this with with the with the LGBT kids that that who are out, right? Um, in, who they know identify, um, and and what specifically should they be looking out for? How should they check in? Um, and what does that checking in process look like? So it's not just knocking on the bedroom door and saying everything okay, good, okay, we're good, uh, and moving on. Um, it's a process, right? So I, I got a lot of questions around that, um, especially with organizations who work with children who aren't their own. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it can be even more uh, sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other area, unfortunately, that I, I got questions from were um, my my peers, my colleagues, um, because we did see uh, a number of uh, suicides, unfortunately, um, 
an instance of self-harm after this, which really, um, it, yeah, and it's it just it just becomes a tragedy. But um, it's it's relatively common with situations like this. People just become overwhelmed, and this kind of um, highlights that feeling of helplessness and being alone and being um, targeted in your own community. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, that just so when I started getting so many questions um, and you know of course my own emotional response to the to the situation I really wanted to get the word out to as many parents as possible um, as far as how do you what do you look for and and how do you talk to kids straight kids gay kids transgender kids all the kids right. um, about situations like this um, on, a, on a somewhat lighter note um, so I'm in I'm in London this week and uh, it's also London Pride week you have a whole week and leads up to the pride uh, to the parade on Sunday on Saturday and so as part of that I went to a, a, a musical show last night uh, featuring two amazing drag queens and at one point they took a step back and they wanted to honor um, you know acknowledge the event in Orlando and so they very passionately uh, brought the room to tears mm. with singing um, you'll never walk alone mm. and and if you've never seen a room full of people be brought to tears by two drag queens singing You'll Never Walk Alone while wearing Beauty and the Beast crockery on their head, you have not lived. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it was definitely, you know, it was very poignant and uh, obviously a very humorous, amazing show. But um, the reason I mentioned that and the reason that it really resonated with me in light of our conversation that we're having today is as adults, we have that support network. We have those communities that we can access to process our grief, right. to really talk about, you know, how the situation and how that, what that does to our community. And we, we have resources. And when we're talking about kids, um, straight kids, gay kids, whichever, all the kids, um, they don't have that. Often they don't have that. And if they do, it's, um, it's more uh, limited. So it's, it's, you know, your Gay Straight Alliance Club or your relatives who are supportive. But they really don't have that access to community that adults do. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really, again, sparked my need to have this conversation with you and, and get the information out to your listeners. Yeah. Well, it's so important. And, you know, and as I think about my own kids and, you know, any kind of tragedy that shows up and what, because it's happening. I mean, God all over the world every single day people are being killed for a variety of reasons and it's really easy to maintain this us and them right well they're you know they're syrian or they're african or they're and it's over there right um yeah. anything that's not us right okay. it, it differentiates and makes us feel safe absolutely sure and you know thinking about like you were saying that you know support and community is so key for the grieving process and, you know, just processing in general, what do you, and what came to mind as I was listening to you was just pointing out to my own children that the victims of this massacre, you know, they were, you know, they were brothers, they were sisters, they were mothers, they were fathers, they were sons and daughters and, you know, not, and they happened to be you know, gay or transgendered or whatever they're, you know, however they identified within that community. But I, I feel like also pointing out that that's not it. Like, that's not all they were. They were also somebody, you know, people, somebody that people loved. 
mm-hmm. separate mm-hmm. from that as a way to, you know, because I always think when I when I read about tragedies around the world, I immediately identify with the mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's right where I go. And that really, I mean, the level of empathy and compassion that rises up in me. And, and it's not so much, you know, what's, again, back to intent. You know, I just want my kids to remember to see humans as humans. Exactly. And um, in conversation, reminding them that there's so much more to to the victims than how they identified. And and what are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. And I think honestly, that's how we get that's how we get social change. Yeah. That's how we get a change, a shift in the in the culture is by humanizing. And I don't know if you've seen it's been on a couple of different social media channels. Um, uh, name the names where they are actually putting faces and names and, you know, what we do know about uh, the people who were killed mm-hmm. in that club. Um, and it humanizes them and it, it gives, it acknowledges their humanity and it gives them um, a voice mm-hmm. and a place in the conversation. So it's not just, you know, a number 49, it's, it's right. actually this person uh, who had a life and had a job and wanted to go hang out with friends. Right. Yeah. Well, how, and how do we give, this is another, well, for, okay, I have a couple questions. So one is you're mentioning as far as supporting, um, the LGBTQ kids, what is the best way to refer? Is it the acronym? I heard you say queer kids. What's going on with language? So help me and enlighten me. It's, it's such a good question. I tend to use queer just because I think that that's more inclusive. Okay. Um, speaks to gender fluidity, uh, sexual orientation, and, and the fact that it's not a static, you know, assignment. Okay, you're gay, then you're gay forever, and that's it. Okay. Um, so I use queer. Not everybody's comfortable with that. Um, so it has been LGBTQ, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning or queer, mm-hmm. depending on who you're talking to. I heard a new term at a conference a few weeks ago, uh, gender and sexual minorities. GSM, okay, uh, which I'm more comfortable with, and that seems to be gaining some traction. Um, but I still, I, I, I don't like the minority thing. I think that that's still kind of uh, marginalizing the community. So, really, short answer: all are used. Okay, um, it's just it, it's more what makes it relatable to people outside of that community, so that we can kind of say, okay, this is what we're going to call it, and now let's get on to the deeper conversation. Exactly. Right. 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 So I'm going to call them queer kids. <laughs> I love the queer kids. Okay. I love that's, Perfect. That's my go-to. So, like I said, with it. right. So it takes a pro- it's a process, right? And we were talking before I hit record around how kids, you know, their processing timeline can look really different than the adults because we get the information and we want we have questions, we want answers. You know, it's right there in real time, whereas kids have to kind of process at their own pace and and are continuously making meaning over time. So. You were saying that things could, you know, questions or behaviors can show up days or weeks or sometimes even months after an event. So exactly. in the in our in our quest to support our queer kids, what's um, you know, what what are some really tangible ways, applicable ways to support them when this level of tragedy exists and it feels so deeply personal? And and you know, before you answer something that I was reading. Uh, recently, you know, the level, the reason, you know, like these, this gay nightclub was considered a safe haven, right? Pride parades are considered a safe haven Mm -hmm. for um, the queer community. And so having something like this show up, 
you know, it's not just, you know, and, and I think I would think it is similar. It's the similar ex- experience of the parents, you know, in the Newtown massacre too. Like, well, wait a minute, this is, or any kind of school shooting as well. Like these are considered safe havens. And what does it mean about the world when the place where I felt like there was, you know, this is the safest place to be. I'm surrounded by community and people that love me. All of a sudden that idea is rocked to its core. So how do we, what do, we, what do they need to hear or know from us? Well, I think I think in that respect, it's very similar to conversations that you would have about reassuring them that, you know, bad things happen. And of course, all of this, the conversation is going to depend on the age. Sure. Um, but just that, you know, that they're, they're safe mm-hmm. and you're going to do everything you can to protect them. And um, just being very mindful that while this is horrific and tragic, um, it is not an everyday situation yeah. here, at least in the States. I mean, other parts of the world, it's a very different story. But um, really, for the most part, just letting them know that, that that they're safe and you're going to do everything that you can to protect them. And unfortunately, there are dangerous people out there. Yeah. And uh, that's the reality of the world. And, uh, you know, what we do is, what we do in reaction to that is we come together as a community, we stand up, we, you know, push for gun regulations, we push for things to change. Um, and, and more empowering them is, to, is kind of what they, they can do rather than just feeling like they're helpless. Right, because that's a scary place to be, especially when, and, uh, for parents and for kids, right? I mean, I, I can imagine a certain level of fear when you know that your child is, you know, tends to be marginalized or... You know, you know it's going to be a tough go for them, regardless of how much support and love they get from their family. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things why, uh, one of the reasons why I think that that vigils and very public mm-hmm. um, events in in the aftermath of these situations is is critical. Because as human beings, that's what we want. We come together as a group. Yeah. And I, I think just the the shared experience. And the you know the solidarity that's demonstrated, and also to a certain extent online. I mean, social media is not um, the same, but there is something very powerful about when you see these repeated messages of, you know, Orlando, we stand with you. Yeah, I stand, I stand with my with my friends. Yeah, and it just kind of reinforces that you're not alone. It's it's a it's okay. So, where are some places that parents can go to find more support about having these conversations with our kids? So. The biggest recommendation I would have is if we're starting out at the, because every every developmental stage is a bit different, but um, as, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, depression can manifest very differently based on the child and based on the developmental stage. Yeah. Um, so it's often very different than um, what we'd expect to see in adults. Okay. So um, for kids like five, six, seven, and most of this applies to kids regardless of their gender identity or, or sexual orientation, because at that age, they, they might not have the verbal capacity to have even come out yet. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really important at that age to listen to kids while they play. Listen to kids, watch how they play, and listen to some of the internal dialogue that's coming out through that play. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, that's where we see it. They don't know, they don't know what they're feeling. They don't have words for it. And so they'll recreate it through play and process it that way. Yeah, and don't, so, and I want to, a little side note, because I remember uh, I was a teacher in the classroom when 9-11 happened, and I had some, yeah, and I had kids that had spent, you know, the early morning hours in a home with the TV on. 
and they had watched the towers go down. And I had a small group of boys. All they wanted to do all day long was build towers with blocks and knock them over. And it was so disturbing to me. And I didn't know how to handle it. So, you know, so that caveat too, you know, as you're listening and paying attention to that internal dialogue, what, what advice do you have for parents as far as like how to hold space for whatever comes up in a way that's forwarding rather than reactionary to our own emotional, ah, why are you doing that? Yeah. I think that's what I said. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I was a very young teacher. I know better now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is but it is difficult because it's counter as adults it's counterintuitive, right? right. Why would you want to create something that you've seen? And for kids, that's how they process yeah. is, is to and it gives them one, it gives them a space to process, and the other, it gives them a sense of control. Mm-hmm. So they can't control what's going on. They can't control, I mean, obviously in nine eleven that that day. Um all of the adults are, are likely feeling out of control. And so yeah. that's reflected. Kids are very attuned to that. Um, and so it gives them a sense of control uh, when everything else is kind of chaotic. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, what I, would, what I would tell parents is I think hold space is a perfect term for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's making space and then listening to how they play and making sure that, you know, if they're, if they're indicating anything that would be considered as self-harm or, or damaging or unhealthy mm-hmm. to intervene mm-hmm. so they're damaged um but to the, to the best of their abilities adults really should just kind of let the child talk and ask very open questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so be curious you know, drop into curiosity exactly be curious if the child is is in a place where they can be drawn out mm-hmm. um and very gently because you know you're still finding out what they're what they're dealing with especially if it is a child who has had this first awareness of uh uh, being homosexual, being gay, mm-hmm. uh, being transgender, and the, and what they're processing is the shooting in Orlando. Right. And more importantly, the messages that they might be getting from their religious institutions or what they're seeing in the media that might be reinforcing that sense of um, wrongness mm-hmm. inside them mm-hmm. uh, that they might be dealing with. So, yeah, just, just really talking, listening, letting them process it through, and asking questions like, Okay, well, you know, they're playing with matchbook cars or something. It's like, well, your little red truck seems really unhappy. What do you think is going on with them? Yeah. You know, and just letting them talk. And I think most parents will be amazed, at least I have in my experience, will be amazed with the complexity of thoughts that kids have around this that they just don't have any way to vocalize. Yeah. Well, and my listeners know my my favorite question is, can you tell me more about that? Exactly. Like over and over, like a broken record. Wow, tell me more about that. And it's amazing what unfolds just from that bit of that invitation. Because really that's what it is, right? It's an invitation. I want to listen to what you have to say. It's important to me. What about the kids that are older? What about older kids? So those are the kids, those five to sevens now. What about? So the kids that are older, um, it, a lot of it depends on, on the conversations that you've had already around sexual orientation and gender and, and where they are with that. Mm-hmm. But for older kids, it's really about um, making space. And we talk about a lot about creating safe spaces. Mm-hmm. And for kids in this age, uh, the adult should be a safe person. They should create like a bubble around themselves that is a safe space. Mm-hmm. And let kids know that when they're ready, they can talk about it. Okay. And, and again, checking in on signs of depression, checking in on 
you know, are they are they not engaging in ways that they used to? Because as I mentioned um, earlier in our conversation, there's a lot of internalization that's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of if they're already struggling with society's response to their sexual orientation or gender identity, this catalyst events like this can be a catalyst for that to be just like, well, clearly this is never getting better, and yeah. then feeling hopeless. And then what about, as I was asking, you know, has, as I was talking about at the very beginning, you know, for me to go back to the conversation with my 10 and 13 year old who I don't think either of them identifies as queer and, um, and, and I want to have a conversation about, about this with them. What's a good, you know, how, what is a forwarding way, I'm not going to say good or right or any of that, mm -hmm. but what's, yeah. you know, what is kind of an open-ended way of, of being curious about their thoughts, being, you know, giving some information and then opening it up for, and I'm, I'm kind of answering my own question in my mind. I imagine that it's like, hey, remember I told you about that shooting that was actually a gay nightclub. And like, I want to say to them, you know, there's only so many places um, where people who identify as, as gay or transgender or queer feel safe. And this is a place that all of a sudden has been torn apart. And, you know, it's important to, to me to talk about it with them just so that they can have an ever more broad perspective and empathy and compassion and you know, being advocates for the human experience, you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of, that would be my intention is just so that they can recognize like, wow, this is a really difficult situation. So, and can you hear even in my question, like, I, I'm like, ah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you're looking for the right answer and there isn't one. Yes. No, but I think, I, I, I think that's, I think that's the right approach is, yeah. is you just, there's nothing wrong with going up to uh, your kids and saying, you know, I mentioned this, and I realized after the fact that I, I didn't touch on the fact that it was a, a gay nightclub, and mm -hmm. I started, you know, and just opening the door back. And you're going to know within the first eight seconds if they're receptive to that conversation mm -hmm. or if they're just like, whatever, Mom, I got it. Yeah. Um, and just, just going from there. Uh -huh. So if they seem receptive to it, if they seem like it's also something that's been sitting with them for a while, then just getting into that conversation letting them know that it's okay to talk about it's okay to talk about now. It's okay to talk about in a week. And, and it's all about planting seeds of when you're ready, I'm here to talk. Yeah. To yeah. Right. Right. I was just talking to Amy Lang about this. Like you've got to know, they need to know that you can, whatever they need to say, you can handle it. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And just, just like, uh, just like they're in tune to us, we're very in tune to them. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we get a really good sense of they're not ready to talk about it yet. They're not ready to talk about it at all, uh, or they want you to ask another open question mm -hmm. so that they can feel safe sharing. Yeah, feel more of an entry, an entry point, right? Exactly. Yeah, and and the other the other question that I got that I had forgotten about until now is, um, you know, one of the things that came up in Orlando was that uh, some of the people in the club may not have been out. Mm. And, you know, that's that. And then they're in a hospital from a shooting in a nightclub and, and every, all, everything that it does to, you know, somebody dealing with that on top of a tragedy. Um, and so, yeah, that's some of the questions around um, 
you know, supporting these kids and, and talking to them is that understanding that some of the kids might be struggling with this grief because they're also not out. Right. And it makes it even more scary. Imagine you're, you're a 12-year-old child and you're just getting ready to come out to your parents and then this horrible event happens and now you hear their reactions to the news and your first thought is, I am so glad I didn't tell them. Oh, that right? breaks my like, heart. Yeah, I know, I know. So anyway, so yeah, just just be uh, super cognizant of, of that. They're always listening, they're always watching, and they're making meaning from everything, though, how we respond, the things we say and do. No pressure, parents, but get it together. <laughs> no pressure. Is there anything else as far as, I mean, I know there's a lot more, but what else um, uh, as far as support for parents having these conversations when we're talking about our teen kids? Anything else that you could share that would be helpful for listeners? Uh, really, just the, the biggest thing I can, I can share is that um, the importance of being that safe person. Mm -hmm. And like I said, creating a bubble around yourself. So if you're in the car with, you know, the soccer team, that is a safe space because you are in that space. Mm -hmm. And being very cautious about, um, you know, trivializing anything around uh, what they're what the kids are feeling, what they're expressing, anything like that. Let them let them share with you what they would like mm -hmm. and let them have their own experience. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you, much. I'm so glad that you reached out to me and that we're having this yes. conversation. I, I'm so glad we were able to make this the scheduling work. Me too. Me too. So remind listeners where they can find you and follow your work. Ah, yes. So uh my webpage is mykidcameout.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also have a Facebook page uh, under the same name. Okay, great. So uh, blog, resources, everything that I have is out there. And happy to chat. And my email is out there. Uh, happy to connect and answer any questions that I can. Great. Thank you so much. And I'm going to put links, listeners, to um, all of those things into the show notes so you can get a hold of Dr. Jen. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, Casey. Yay. Have a beautiful day in London. Thanks. You as well. <laughs> okay. So, wow. What a big show today. I know that it is, it was a long one. So, and I appreciate all of you for hanging in there and um, being with me till the end. Really important topics right and I was kind of you know thinking to myself do I put this all in one should I have this be two different shows but I just feel like there's an a sense of urgency for me to get these conversations into your ears because of you know because that this is what's real and relevant and alive right now um, out in the world so I made the executive decision to just combine both of these topics and both of these conversations into one long show. So thank you, thank you, thank you for um, finding value and sticking around and listening to these conversations. You know, as I wrapped up with um, Jennifer O'Ryan, I said to her, you know, I'm so grateful for this platform so that I can be I get to be really authentic, which the funny thing is I don't really know how not to be authentic, but 
you know, as far as these are messy, tricky situations. And like she kept saying, there isn't really a right answer. It's just more about being willing and able to listen to our kids, to ask an open-ended question, whether it's about sex or sexual orientation or whatever, right? Um, and, And being open to hearing our kids' questions and being open to having conversations even though we might feel uncomfortable. It's so, so powerful and so important. So, and it's hard. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to be really effective all the time. Um, So, yeah. And such is the parenting practice, right? That's what we're all finding. So, Anyway, thank you for hanging in there. And I wanted to let you all know that I have a really exciting offer in that's brewing right now. It'll go live in August, but it's 10 days of joyful courage via texting. So looking for ways to connect with you, to be that voice on your shoulder, that voice in your head. Sometimes people will say to me, I wish you were in my head all the time. Well, I think I might have figured out a way to sort of get in your head. And it's a 10-day offer with daily text messages and prompts that are, you know, not a lot of work for on your end. Simply, you know, oh, I've got a text. I mean, we might not check Facebook. We might not check our email. But what happens when we get a text? We look right? So um, I'm playing with that. I will soon have a landing page so that you can sign up and be a part of that, which is exciting. Um, And as always, if you found value in this conversation, please share it. Find two or three friends, relatives, strangers on the street to say, hey, I listened to this parenting podcast and it's so helpful. Or Casey is funny she makes me laugh or it's just really real and relevant and I feel like she's speaking exactly into what I'm going through what however you want to praise the podcast I am down with it so find three people in your life and share 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 right I'm trying to grow this tribe grow this community because we're all on a mission right world peace this is world peace this is the the revolution the way that we parent our kids is you know, the way that our world will look tomorrow. So let's, the more people that we can get on this positive discipline, peaceful parenting, respectful relationship train, the better for us all, right? Because they're going to be taking care of us pretty soon. So as you know, on the parenting journey, time flies. Time flies, except for those wee morning hours when you have an infant loving you, loving you mothers and fathers of very young children. But time does fly. Um, Today, as I record this, it is the last day of school for my son and my daughter. And I'm looking at the kids that come home today are going to be a fifth grader and an eighth grader, which is mind-blowing to me. So there you go. Big, huge love to each and every one of you. Thanks for being a part of the community. Thank you for your feedback. Love, love, love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free 
a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. 